listening to an online Bible study broadcast with your hosts, Bill Ricksucker and Bernard Ramsey. Brought to you by the Christian Cornerstone Ministry. Alright, we are back with another party. Uh, we're back here with Mr. Bernard Ramsey. Dr. Bernard well, Ramsey. Welcome. Welcome, Bill. Good so, to see you. Yeah, and it's actually getting kind of warm in my place right now, so uh, I'm really hoping I don't end up, uh, you know, passing out or anything. It's not really too crazy. I'm just kind of exaggerating here, but regardless, let's hope I don't pass out during this uh, recording here. So, um, the sweat, sweat and revival. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We'll get Benny in over here. He'll show us what it's like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I, if there was anything, I would probably say I'm going to go to hell for saying that right there. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, no, I took my AC out uh, the, yes, the other day. You know, things were cooling down, and now I'm just re- totally regretting it. But, you know, whatever, I'll suffer through it. we got a couple more days of it being warm that's going to cool off. Um, but we're getting into, this is what, it's part two of two. Acts 16. Yeah, Acts 16. This is the second chapter of this journey through the life and teachings of Paul and his ministry. Uh, for those of you who are following along, um, Acts 16, this is part two uh, of Acts 16. Um, we tend to tend to talk too much. I myself talk too much. Bernard, he's kind of, well, he's Winter. kind of stepping up a little uh, bit. Yeah, um, I'm trying. There we go. <laughs> so, um, part two, what do we go over with last week? I got my notes here. Flip over the papers, make yeah. sure everybody knows what I'm doing here. Okay, circumcisions. Yep, I'm not going to forget yep. that one. Diversions from Asia to Macedonia. Uh, yep. And now we're getting into uh, what I would call, or what I have here is... Uh, Lydia and Paul and silence. And yeah, did prison. we talk about uh, Lydia last week? I mean, there's not much here that I have too many comments on, but uh, it's just kind of interesting that that's there. I don't know if we talked about that just yet. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, Bernard, if you want to go ahead and, you know, lead this party, feel free. Sure, sure. So let's uh, just briefly, I think we did speak. I think you spoke uh, actually a little bit about Lydia. And, you know, we were talking uh, shortly before that about, you know, Paul wanting uh, to go uh, and, uh, let's see, in the Macedonian call. And shortly before that, him wanting to go one place, the Holy Spirit telling him, no, don't go there, go another. And, you know, we spoke about, basically being led by God, that this is God's plan, that this is his will. And this this was a very early period in the church, you know, first century, uh, in which, you know, these communities that Paul is visiting, you know, a handful of years prior, um, he had established some churches in, and he's going back and revisiting, and now he's also going to new places. Um, and so, if we kind of pick up on Acts 16, uh, verse 11, the conversion of Lydia. So mm-hmm. setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. 
One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Awesome. And, yeah, I'll stop there. Just a couple of things. Okay. And it sounds like you want to jump in. Yeah, you know, again, <laughs> we're, we're in a Roman colony. Uh, we can tell, you know, very early on, on the Sabbath day, Paul is going outside outside the gate to the riverside. So we know that, you know, this isn't, there aren't a whole lot of Jewish people there. And that one of the people that he's meeting is a woman. And if there was a larger Jewish colony in this Roman colony, we certainly would have also heard about more men. Right. Lydia is selling purple goods. And purple, a very royal color, an expensive color, uh, you know, in other words, she is probably a fairly uh, uh, well-to-do seller or does well in business, mm-hmm. um, yet she pays attention to what was said by Paul. And God calls her, God prepares her to receive the word. And I think that that's really important, and that before baptism, before conversion, that God calls he calls for a change of heart in each mm-hmm. of us. Well, and uh, yeah, I mean that that alone is. Um, I mean, we'll get again. We'll get into the topic later, but I mean, it's it, this the, the topic itself seems to wrap up the entire process of um, everything related to the Christian life. Uh, you know, the concept of, of predestination and, and the biggest thing that like the the process in which I'm seeing here. Uh, and it says here that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul had to say. So that is not going to happen unless, you know, she's not going to hear it. Any individual's not going to hear the truth as far as what a pastor has to say. I mean, they might hear something that's pretty comfortable. It's like, yeah, I like that. That, that totally fits me, you know, what I'm dealing with. But I mean, when we get deeper into that, we don't want to hear the, the hard stuff. And I think that is where... Uh, the concept of the righteous and the wicked come into play because the wicked doesn't want to be exposed. The wicked doesn't want to be convicted. The wicked doesn't want to be wrong. The wicked doesn't want to be the wicked. So this this person in their natural state is going to run away from God. But the only possible way that we can chase after God or seek this, that we can ex- really even accept this conviction and be like, you know what, you're right, I'm a screw up, is if it is God who changes us. And I believe it's Ezekiel where he tells them that, you know, I gave you, or you have a heart of uh, stone, but I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Uh, and that's essentially the, the illustration which we have here. We you know, have somebody who comes from being a hard-hearted, somebody who's stubborn and is not going to hear the word of God. And then when we're given the heart of flesh, we're, we're made weak. We're not as, as durable. We're not as uh, hard as, as we once were. I mean, we, we can be pierced. And that's what God does. He, he, he makes us flesh so that way he can intentionally, you know, I, I, I don't have anything better to stay except for stabbing us with the word of God. You know, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is tar- sharper than any two-edged sword. 
able to post even even uh, or pierce even the dents of marrow. And I think that's essentially what's going on here is is he softens our hearts and he prepares us to recognize uh, what is about to be received. And then through this, okay, and and me personally, when it comes to repentance, I see that not it. I mean, that's not. I don't see that any doing of our own. Um, we might go through the actions, we might go through the process, but the best way that I would pers- that I personally understand it is that it's a divine command from God. Um, and it's not just do this and obey me concept of repentance, but in the same concept God created the cosmos, he said, let there be everything. I see that being the way of repentance is because we can't repent without the will of God in our lives, without the Holy Spirit. But um, and I see that here is that the Lord itself, it is the Lord who did this. Lydia didn't do anything. She didn't open her heart. She didn't uh, soften her heart to understanding. She didn't, you know, in a sense, seek this out. Um, she didn't go to church and, and to hear the word. It was the Lord himself who made her heart of flesh, who opened her heart to receive what Paul was about to speak. And as we've already talked about, um, briefly in Romans 1.16 that the, the gospel itself is the power of God unto salvation. So God is doing all of this here. He's changing Lydia's heart. He's bringing her to Paul and he's speaking through Paul. And it is God through Paul his, and his words that he's speaking is which God is saving Lydia. So that was a little bit more than I was going to go with. I mean, but. Well, I mean, it, it's important because, you know, Lydia, on one hand, she had to be, she had to be open. She had to right. make, there, there are steps that she had to take. Just as, you know, it, it's my prayer for our listeners uh, in this podcast that they are taking the steps to listen to the Word of God, to study uh, the Word of God, to pray and be open to God's communication uh, and His grace and, and, and the softening of their hearts right. uh, in their life. So just as Lydia took a step, you're absolutely right. It, it is in, in her baptism uh, in which she was baptized right. and received the Lord that the Lord changed her by His grace, that He opened her heart, He softened her heart, He changed uh, her heart and mind. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a very different view, and not to go down, you know, uh, too much of a, of a theological rabbit hole, but from a very, I think, misinterpreted uh, predestination you with predestination people uh, mistakenly omit or or leave out or don't emphasize enough the actions of a person in in bowing down before God and right. being open to listening his word and yet there's nothing that we can do to earn his grace. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation, right? right? That that his grace and his salvation are gifts for us. And so, 
you know, I, I'm very much opposed to any view which says that we are just blind walking and and boom, you know, we don't have to do anything, and yet our hearts are softened and our minds are opened. That certainly is possible. With God, all things are possible. But here, I think we also hear a story, you know, in which Lydia took steps. She was one in a very, very small Jewish community who went to hear Paul. Okay. Right? Well, yeah, and... and we know, we know a little bit later on, down in the chapter, how small this Jewish community is. Because when in, in the next verse, in which Paul is thrown in prison, we see that when the demons are cast out, one of the reasons that he may very well have been thrown in prison is because he himself is viewed as a Jew. Mm-hmm. As a Jew. And he has no rights under Roman law, right? right. I mean... Roman citizens enjoy all the rights, the civil liberties. However, Jews do not. Um, and so when he ruins this person's business, as we'll see a little bit later on, right, it, it's because of how small and how foreign Paul is in this land with this small community. Yeah. Well, and I think to a certain point, he, um, he may have not even been known too much. Because, uh, which again, we'll get into this uh, in a minute, but um, I, I guess to close up this this topic with with Lydia, well, there's a, one other point that stood out to me. Um, this whole the, the salvation process. Um, I mean, I'm completely on the on on uh, on board with the idea that there's nothing, not even not even our personal actions or thoughts. Well, we'll we'll leave out the thoughts. Our actions themselves merit anything. Anything you know, we don't contribute anything to that salvation. That it's all God. And and I you know I say that being that he's the one who softens our hearts, he's the one who draws us to him, um, and if anything, he's the one that takes the blindfolds off. And I think once the blindfolds are off, I think that is the only thing that we contribute to is now I understand, now I understand, now I want to serve you. Um, and then you know by submitting to him, it, yes, in a, in a human nature, it uh, it might be perceived to be you know this is the action that we are choosing to do, uh, which we'll have to talk more about free will um, in another one because that that is totally fascinating. Uh, like I said, you know I've read a book that kind of helped explain a little bit to it, but um, there's a lot more to it than than what we can get into right now. So we'll definitely have to to put that on the list. Um, but for uh, sure, yeah, for it's, sure. You know that 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 may end up being a series unto itself. Yeah, uh, because I mean there 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 are a number of you know, and, and that would be I think really neat, especially for uh, maybe some of our viewers who haven't I- I explored it um, as much. There there are a number of very you know thoughtful, intriguing. Uh, resources that are available in print, online, mm-hmm. YouTube video series, you know, and, and we can certainly compile them and link to them and talk about them and, and, and show them. And I think, you know, that that would be a very uh, interesting series. Yeah. Uh, not only to talk about, but to share. Yeah, well, we stories. got that, uh, that list we're just working on, so we'll have to, I think, well, we yeah. have uh, a little yeah. something on there, but... I think we'll have to, you know, go in depth with that a little bit more because there's uh, there's a lot to. I mean, I'm personally fascinated by it uh, because I came from one mindset, 
and then you know once I was uh, okay you know I was you know listening to uh, some stuff I was like okay I don't understand this completely what's going on digging into it further digging into it further I was like oh okay now I understand so uh, and we've talked about this before I mean the listeners themselves probably don't know this just yet uh, I would I, I would have you know I guess as of a couple months back anyways I would have identi- identified myself as a Arminian um, you know that there is some uh, the, the concept of free will that we have some sort of actions behind um, our salvation there, there's more you know under that too but uh, I now my my personal thing is I, I don't even recognize that as all I mean well I recognize it but I don't it, it's it's errored um, and it, it's it comes down to the personal individuals and we're obviously getting off track here but um, no, no, no no I mean it's great you know, <laughs> in the in, right I mean but you know this is where the reading is bringing us. right and I that mean, is true you know? um, which we'll, we'll yeah. have to um, I'll, I'll have to talk more about this to you uh, after this broadcast because I've got so many thoughts that are starting to pop in my head. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll have to talk about that here in a minute. The last thing I want to point out here with Lydia um, is uh, her comments to Paul. This is after she was baptized. Her household was uh, baptized as well, and she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, please come to my house and stay. So, and I don't want to dwell too much on this, but any this is like one word that's in my list of bold words that stand out when I read it is the idea of judge or judge me or who are we to judge. And um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of concerned with how we view that. I think we may have done a broadcast on that. I know with uh, with Leonard, I talked a little bit about that. But uh, how the modern modern faith, I mean, overall, the, the the religious community views the idea of judging others as a sin, complete sin. I find that to be very concerning because it's not inherently sinful, and we need to recognize how we judge, and again, we'll get more into that at another time, but Lydia here is essentially saying, if you have judged me, she's not saying you've judged me wrong, she's not saying that you're in sin because you're judging me, but she's saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord. So she's basically asking Paul, says, if you've if you've really seen me, if you've if, if you've seen the works that I've done, you know, you you my character, how I uphold myself, um, and, and you've been able to discern that I am sincerely faithful, that I am truly who I say I am, that I am a believer in Jesus Christ, then please, you know, come into my house. And again, more to this, but we we do know, I believe in it's either Timothy or Titus. Um, that we're not called to even let false teachers in our house. Um, and I think to the point would, would come with that is to you know stay in their houses as well. Um, which again, that's more of a theological discussion. But essentially what she's saying here, if I'm part of your family, the family in Christ, come stay with us. Come spend time with us. Come have fellowship with us. So um, that's my two cents on Lydia. Um, one, if, one, one, a couple things, okay. you know, about what you just mentioned. You know, going back to that phrase, and I mean, as you were, you know, talking about that, it occurred to me, and I wish that I had had uh, this pre- uh, prepared. So I'm actually going to blueletterbible.com. Let me get rid of this cookie notice, um, and let me see here. How do I do this? Uh, come back here. Okay. So I don't know if this is going to work, but we're going to give it a shot. Let's see. Uh, share application window. 
And I believe it's this one. We're going to start sharing. Let's see what pops up. All right. Okay. And do you want me to zoom in? Yeah, if you want to. Go ahead. Okay. Tell me if it gets a little bit better. No, so we're good. Basic. Okay. And what happened? There we go. Okay. Going back to the words. So what I did is I went to blueletterbible.org. Um, and the verse in question that we, you know, that we were talking about is Acts sixteen fifteen. Okay. And I just have a feeling about this word judged that I just highlighted. So I went to the top here. I typed in Acts sixteen fifteen. It brought this up. I pressed the little tools button, and let's go down. So it gives a breakdown of everything. Basically, concordance online. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and so you know, she urged us, saying, "If you have judged," and in this phrase, well, it's not giving me a curse two times, but I'm not looking for the occurrence. I was looking more for, hopefully I'm not triggering anyone's epilepsy here with all the five. <laughs> um, and if we highlight the word judged, we can, or if we press the word judged, we can see where it comes up and, you know, a number of different uh, Bible passages. But what I was actually looking for was uh, the phrase or the word. There is the, uh, I believe that, Crino, uh, I don't know, I'm butchering it in Greek, uh, translated. That um, is the translation of that. And basically, all of this, and I'm saying all of this, and I'll go back uh, to, uh, uh, there we go, my screen here is, I have a feeling, and it's something that I'm going to look up and study when I can actually find some other translations of the word, but I have a feeling that this is being used more as tested in this context. If you have tested me to be faithful of the world of the lord if you have seen me to be faithful to the lord right. come to my house and stay and, well, it, go ahead. and I, i'm just piggybacking on what you said because you know one of the things that comes to you know the everyday christian's mind is a commandment thou shalt not judge right right and you know and especially, you know, fast forward to 2019, judging others has become such a dirty term, especially in America and especially in our society in which, you know, not only do we have that in the back of our minds is the commandment, but we also have this kind of acceptance and accepting a person for who they are and being inclusive. And while those can be very good things, and they can also have their faults, here we are again seeing, and you and I have spoken about this before, that testing members of our community, that confronting with love, that even offering, you know, godly, loving criticism in the spirit, calling out members is a healthy practice right. in the, and probably something that has been lost in some communities, uh, especially today. And yeah, I, so and I, 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 uh, to, to agree with your point there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with you on that. And, um, like, uh, one of the examples and I'm not, I'm just going to, you know, mention, it, I'm not going to go into detail with it is, um, one of the biggest examples for that I think we can give, 
Um, I mean, the context of do not judge, Matthew 7, that's talking about a hypocritical judgment. But even more is the man who's saying do not judge, he too judges others. Um, you know, I think in John 7 is when he, he you know, makes it known. It's like if you're going to judge others, you know, judge by, don't judge by their appearance, by what they look like, but judge, yeah. the, judge their character. You know, because their character itself right. is the reflection of their heart. Um, and, and yeah. I mean, not make an immediate judgment. I mean, that's important to recognize because, um, you know, we don't know 100% if somebody's new to the faith. For example, you know, they could be spitting out swear words every single, every single sentence. Um, it's possible that they're a yep. new convert and they're simply in training, if you wish. So, I mean, just because somebody has a colorful vocabulary does not necessarily mean, oh, they're a sinner, they're going to hell. So, I mean, but, but you know, it just, it just means that they need to need room to grow. Um, but uh, my example that I was uh, wanting to go with, I, can't, I want to say Matthew 23, maybe. I could be wrong on that. But, I mean, the title itself, uh, you know, those who are listening, watching, feel free to look this up. It's the seven woes to the Pharisees. Uh, and there's actually a lot more. I've got to do a little bit more an in-depth study because the idea of woe, uh, there's more meaning behind that. Um, and essentially, that's a, a, a condemnation, if I remember right. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, but anyways, in that context, Jesus himself, the man who's saying don't judge, is laying some heavy, heavy judgment um, on the Pharisees. So, um, again, you know, that's, uh, that's something for, uh, you know, personal studies uh, another time. Um, we're getting into uh, chapters, not chapter 16, we're in chapter 16, uh, verse 16 through 18. And this is um, what I have titled here in my notes, The Exorcism of a Spirit-Filled Girl. Yes. We'll call her Emily. Uh, Emily Rose. Um, anyways, I wanted to read this commentary before we really uh, go any further. Because um, while I was, uh, you know, doing some research on this, this, this is, I mean, it, it kind of wraps up the whole thing. And I thought it was rather, uh, because I, because of this, I don't have any, you know, I've rarely two cents to add to it. But this commentary comes from uh, the netbible.org. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I quote here, This girl's screaming recalls the behavior of the demon-possessed people whom Jesus encountered. Mm. The title, Most High God, would have had meaning to the Greeks, Romans, and Jews. All of these people had some interest in the uh, in a way to salvation and not the way to salvation. So the Greeks called Zeus the Most High God. Uh, however, it is probable that those who heard this girl, this one who's possessed, associated the Most High God with the God of the Jews. In any case, the girls crying out would have aroused the interest of the Greeks as well as the Jews. Paul proceeded to take advantage of the situation. She seems to have appointed herself the Apostles' Herald, announcing them wherever they went, and Paul did not want her to continue doing that. However, her presence and public relations uh, work implied that the missionaries were allied with the demons that dwelt in her. Uh, Mark uh, 1, 24-25 is reference for that. Uh, Jesus, working through Paul to cast out these demons. Um, there's a lot of other verses here that are, are reference for that. Mark 9, 14 through 29. Luke uh, 4, 33 through 35. Uh, 6, uh, verse 18. 7, verse 21. And then Acts 
8, verse 9 through 24, 13, 6 through 12, as well as 19, 13 through 20. But Luke did not record did not record whether this girl became a Christian, though she probably did. Uh, his interest lay in what happened as the result of this incident. But I think that's something. This is when I, this is something I personally overlooked in the last time I read this. Um, you know, I was. I mean, I can't exactly remember what I, what my thoughts were because I guess you know I'm just kind of flooded with this new information here. Um, but it's kind of interesting is is that the reason Paul you know Paul didn't want her to continue doing this I would presume, you know it would go back to what was said initially that these people were looking for a way to salvation and not the way to salvation, you know and the example given here is calling Zeus the Most High God. Yeah. So and that's what she said. You know, she says here. You know, these uh, these are the the servants of the Most High God. So the question is, which one? You know, is it Zeus or is it somebody else? So, um, I mean, I think that is is very profound. And uh, you know, the reason, you know, Paul's essentially getting irritated is because of of the hazard that would come from this. Is she, you know she knows because it's a demon proclaiming out of her. This, this demon is proclaiming that Paul and Silas are servants of the Most High, Yahweh, God the Father, creator of every cosmos and everything that's ever existed. This is the Most High God that they're servants of. Yep. But then while you know the people may have, uh, may have been known that it was the, the Most High God of the Jews, there's still a remnant that would perceive this to be is this the most high God, Zeus, that we're referring to? If this is, okay, let's go bow down and let's worship Paul because he can lead me to salvation through the Greeks uh, and, you know, closer to Zeus. So. That's I, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was. Um, and, I mean, there's, there's like so much in there um, that I, I mean, I was just like, okay, I, I was reading this. I was like, all right, well, you know, I don't have any, any additional commentary on that really or any, any, any more insight to this, but um, well, a, a couple of things I, you know, a, a couple of things, you know, looking at the passage and just again, for those who are new or maybe who have missed this before or, or are unfamiliar, you know, starting uh, it's at sixteen sixteen. you know, as we were going to the place of prayer, you know, we're not talking about a temple here, again, referring to a small community, a place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. And if you look into that word divination, that's not a positive word. You know, we, if, if you're to equate the word divine, you know, you're thinking uh, godly things, you're thinking mystical powers, even in today's world, maybe if you're confused and maybe this is something else we should talk about at some point or you know sages and mind readers and and but you know in the old testament uh, and in the new testament people who had these spirits of divination like you were quoting like you were saying they were you know jesus cast them out in his right. name cast out these evil spirits and it's not, and even today, it's, you know, one of the beliefs about these spirits is it's not necessarily that they can read a person's mind or that they can, in one sense, get in the inner workings of the mind, but because they are a different type of being that is possessing a person, they can read a human's body language very quickly, They're, they can be masters of deception. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in leading people to say and do certain things very quickly. Right. So Paul here is confronted with this girl who, you know, this is a case of, well, bad attention, you know, is not good attention. I mean, Paul doesn't want this attention. Right. All and certainly, you know, when it go when it in a little later on in verse eighteen, you know, the girl kept on doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her," and it came out of her that very hour. In other words. You know, we again in today's society we think of an hour as being well. That's sixty minutes. That's a long time. Again, perhaps in this sense, they're also referring to very quickly, right. because we're given we're given, you know, just a couple of of words and sentences before that. She kept doing this for many days. Right. So to contrast many days with an hour, that's very. Quickly, that this spirit was commanded out of her in Christ's name. Right, and this uh, this, this commentary I have here for uh, the spirit of divination, or at least in this context here, uh, is actually referring to uh, it says literally Python spirit. Uh, ah, you know, in Greek okay. mythology, the Python was a snake that guarded the oracle ah. at Delphi. Uh, essentially, this girl it was a medium or an oracle in contact with demons who would supposedly predict the future. Um, and there's, uh, and that's actually, I've never personally experienced that. Um, my, um, I have a friend of mine. She actually came. Um, she's a she's a Christian now. Full, I mean, full, huge. I mean, she's all completely on board. But she, uh, at one point in her life, her uh, she was involved, and I don't know how in depth it was. But uh, earlier in her life, uh, she she grew up, um, and I guess it's actually a, more of a culture than it is a religion. Okay. Um, but she was uh, a gypsy, or you know, the cult. The, oh, yeah. I guess it's actually you know a culture, a nationality, ethnicity kind of thing, and and that's that's what she is. Yeah. But um, earlier in her year, she I believe she said something about reading tea leaves. Um, uh, yeah. And there's a couple other things I can't remember what it was that she was involved with. But um, in those years, in those early years, she she was actually in touch with uh, demonic spirits, um, mm -hmm. and in some cases, they did tell her future events, um, or at least what what she thought to be. Whether they actually came to happen or not, yeah. I I don't personally recall uh, what she said about that, or if when we had that conversation. But um, it's yeah, it's rather interesting, you know, just how much of a insight these these spirits have and. A very real stuff. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I've oh, yeah. uh, I, I've never gotten into any sort of practices myself, but I've had enough experiences that I can say is like there's no way I can possibly deny this. It yeah. is a real manifestation. It exists. Yeah. Um, and not to go down the rabbit hole again, you know, too too far. But I I agree with you. You know, I have as well. Uh, I have been around uh, people who practice similar things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have seen and heard from people who have experienced uh, those kinds of things. And, you know, that's also something that maybe at some point, you know, and, and maybe it's the October and the Halloween season <laughs> as well, but, you know, that that's something that would be very interesting yeah. uh, to talk about. Certainly, you know, spirit, 
lives in whether it's a demon or spirit lives in an immaterial sense and in in other words not form or physical like you or I and, and may not be subject to you know the exact uh, laws of, of time and space as we are I don't know uh, right. but that's certainly something that you know like you said like we're reading in scripture like we've heard before um, yeah, it, it, it's something that, that's very much cautioned against and right. the things uh, in the interactions with are cautioned against yeah uh, and yeah I mean we'll definitely have to get into another series on that I mean because there's a uh, you know my own understanding there's certain things I've, I've have an improved understanding some things I don't uh, but I mean regardless I mean I think it's important that we talk about the subject at some point because uh, it's not really talked about enough and not really studied no, enough in, no. in, in church in the church atmosphere but uh, you know getting into this this is uh, we're leading into the the imprisonment of Paul and Silas you know this uh, this slave master has essentially lost his most valuable treasure uh, this was a girl who could so uh, supposedly predict the future, and you know, you know, she was in touch with spirits. She could tell you what you needed to hear, what you wanted to hear. Um, but this demon was no longer in control. Paul cast it out. It's been removed. It's you know, it's been you know, get away from her. Uh, so she's useless. We, we, you know, my my most valuable treasure. I'm not going to get this money anymore. I've lost my fortune. Uh, and, and so you I mean, spiritual pimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. I mean, I, I can't I can't deny that. I mean, that's yeah. He, he's he's selling her off, you know, to to the highest. Well, I mean, probably anybody that that could get a coin from, but you know, to the highest bidder. And um, yeah, you know, seeing what kind of uh, visions we can get. But uh, he's lost that, and the response to this is essentially uh, now here in verse nineteen when the when uh, her owners, the slave master. Uh, saw that their hope of gain was gone. There's a thing. I've lost. My, I've lost all my profits. Uh, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Uh, they brought them before the magistrates and said, "These Jews are causing a disturbance in the city." Um, and uh, so, I mean, they're they're essentially basically saying that, you know, Paul and Silas, we don't like them. You know, they're causing problems. They've just made me lose a bunch of money that I'm gonna that I will no longer earn. So I mean, making up a making up more of a story. We don't have too much details on this, but they're concocting a story to somehow get Paul and Silas locked in prison, away to where they can't cause um, any more problems. Problems, yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, this, and again, uh, you know, these are these are Romans, and so you know, Paul and Silas, these Jews, have basically hurt a Roman's business right and so Paul and Silas aren't going to get the treatment and the, the the rights that a Roman citizen would get when it comes to a trial and it comes to being judged under Roman law right and so off to prison they go and a very a very harsh punishment they receive right well and um, <clears throat> you know with that you know this the, the solution to this was obviously well imprisonment which we're getting into um, but, you know, it's kind of like what I have here. I'm just going to read these notes. I think you covered it a little bit here. You know, it's contrary to the Roman law for local people to try to change the religion of Roman citizens. Um, and I think this actually might have been, you know, from the commentary as well, because I don't, this is too good for me to be, you know, for my per I don't remember. I mean, I, this was like two weeks ago that I wrote these up. Um, but anyways, it was, uh, you know, it's uh, contrary for Roman law or to Roman law for local people, the Jews, um, 
you know, at least in this, in this sense is what we're referring to, to change the religion of Roman citizens, uh, of which were many in Philippi. The, the girl's master assumed that Paul and Silas were proselytizing for Judaism, since the customs uh, Paul proclaimed were the worship of Jesus, rather than Caesar is Lord, which, you know, to the Roman Empire, that, you know, Caesar was God. You're welcome yeah. to worship any any god that you want, Zeus, Asclepia, Apollos, Jesus, whoever you want to. You can worship any of those, but you need to worship Caesar as Lord first. Um, so that was basically the conflict there, is the, the conflict of, of two religions. Uh, but they're not just thrown into a cell um, with, you know, with a mat to sleep on. Uh, it was much worse. Uh, you know, it's probably just a dirt box with bars. Probably, I don't even necessarily think you need bars in there, but... Uh, however, the gate, however it was gated up, uh, and these men were placed, and this is the interesting part here, the inner prison. Uh, and I think, you know, that alone is something to focus on because these, uh, these gentlemen, the most that they were doing is spreading the, 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 the Christian faith. That's it. Yep. You know, okay, we're, they're, they're really not of much use. Let's go ahead and lock them on the outer prison. But no, they decide we need to lock these guys up in the inner side. And this was the most secure part of the jailer, or the most secure part in which the jailer would take extra precautions, placing their feet in stocks, which was designed uh, yes. to spread yeah. the feet uh, as wide as possible to cause a physical pain. These are actually John MacArthur's commentaries. That's what it is. Interesting. So, okay. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a very just, interesting piece of history, and, and I mean, it, it speaks to just the the awful conditions. Absolutely, that I mean, they were in. Like, yeah, I, I haven't looked it up, but I believe you know, if you, you've seen the, the you know stocks in uh, in movies like westerns, you know, you got people's heads and you know their hands locked up, but that yeah. wasn't the only case here, and I think they may have been in chains with their hands. Um, but you know, their feet themselves, uh, and this was essentially a form of torture of, of discipline. We're not just going to lock you in a hole. Uh, in a room and, you know, not feed you for a couple of days, but we're going to, you know, cause some serious discomfort to your legs. So when you get out, you're going to be sore that you're not really going to be able to walk right. If anything, you're probably going to be crawling out of here. And that alone should be a lesson not to do what you did so that you won't end up back here in prison. Yeah. Um, and that addition to, you know, the tearing of the clothes yeah. and the lashes that they received. Yeah. And uh, where's that? At? I mean, I remember hearing that. Let's get the first uh, one. So the crowd joined, uh, verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods, and they had, had inflicted many blows upon them. They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. There we go, yeah. Yeah, yeah and this wasn't, on, this wasn't like something nice that you'd get in you know, prison these days. I mean, there was, there was really essentially no quarters. I mean, they had some respect, which we'll, we'll get into this here um, as we finish up this chapter, um, but there's very little. If, if you're a criminal, you're going to be treated like a criminal. If you're scum, you're going to be treated like scum. So, I mean, and that's, uh, I mean, like, for um, The Passion of the Christ, that movie mm -hmm. itself with Mel Brooks, um, what I learned was uh, the torture that they did with Jesus Christ in that movie was by comparison, was PG, or perhaps even PG-13, uh, yep. compared to what really happened uh, to Christ. I believe it's actually, um, I want to say Isaiah. I don't have a chapter, but I believe it's Isaiah yeah. 53, actually. That might be it, 53, in which, you know, makes it known that he was, uh, he was tortured beyond recognition. 
Uh, and you think about that, you, you, he, they knew who it was by the torture that was being done, but anybody, they could not see the physical features that we could use to recognize that this is Jesus. So, um, and, and that alone was, was one of the heaviest uh, floggings in which anybody had to endure. Um, and again, you know, there's more to that, but I mean, this is essentially what, uh, what Paul and Silas are having to go through. Um, I mean, they were obviously still recognized, but they had enough welts, bruises, cuts, scrapes, whatever else that comes with this beating on them, that this was not pretty. And, you know, in today's culture, we would consider this inhumane, and we need to shut down this prison. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Mm. it's pretty, pretty messed up as far as what's going on there. But what's most, the most beautiful piece here. Um, is this this ah. next half is where is. the Philippian jailer is essentially freaking out, but before yeah. he freaks out, we've got Paul and Silas singing. I mean, they're they're in the most uncomfortable position you can possibly be in, bruised, dinged up, scrapes, welts, everything. Again, everything that comes with that beating on a dirt floor, leaning against a stone wall. You know, probably have the natural salts that come from this. It's kind of seeping into the wounds. Um, I mean, it's not a polished wall. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty filthy, and you know they're they're in these stocks, so their legs are you know sore beyond all, and yet they um, they're singing hymns. They're singing, yeah. Um, all of this pain and in these awful conditions, they're singing. Yeah, and that alone, I mean, it's, it's very profound because as I was reading this, I had to go back and I was, I was, I had to just imagine that. We got 15 minutes left, so let's see, you know, see yep. what we can get in here. Um, but but just one quick question on that: I mean, what does a person have to have in their heart to reach such a place when things are so bad, right, yeah. that they can still sing and sing to the Lord? And there are. There are a number of examples in modern history of this, especially if we look in our own country and when it comes to the slaves, hymns, uh, and some of the songs that they that they sang, but also in World War II, uh, with the occupation of Nazi, you know, uh, from the the uh, the Nazis in Germany and in the uh, 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 prison camps, uh, in which we hear these stories, but. But, you know, bringing it to modern day when we are having such awful, tough days in which we feel that everything is going right, how, how can we sing? How can we sing to the Lord? And just one quick question. I mean, one in prayer is one way. And going to a book that is all about singing, mm-hmm. which I wonder if they went to song. I think so. I mean, I, if uh, I, I mean, there's really no evidence behind that we can use to support that, but right. I mean, this was, the right. Old Testament itself that was well known to the people. Um, and Paul, yeah. I, I personally don't know Silas is what his background is, but Paul himself, he came from being you know the one of the religious elites, the Pharisees, and not just that, but he was essentially top of his class. Yeah. So I mean, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that you he, mentioned before, this yeah. is a lot. Period, 15, 20 years. I mean, he's been in training and in preparation. Right. And, oh. I mean, we know from the last chapter, uh, Acts 9, that uh, Jesus tells him that, you know, or tells Ananias, you know, I, I will, you know, I will show him just how much he must suffer. So, I mean, he's had time to prepare for this. He knew it was going to come. 
And I think the thing, what, what keeps him in this mood is, number one, it's the distraction from the pain and what they're going through. And number two, it's setting their focus on God. I mean, God, he's promised. It's like, you're, you're going to be going through some suffering from me. And this is, yeah. this is the result, or, or one of the many results in which he'll face you know, throughout the rest of his life. And you know, he, does, he has nothing except for praise. Uh, to God, you know, thank you for what you're doing here, you know, and you're an awesome God, you know, this is rightly deserved, woe is me, a sinner, and, uh, but even through this, Lord, I know that you will pull through, and I'm just going to trust you, I mean, that's really profound, and, and I, I can't say that I've, I've been in an experience so strong like this, um, I mean, I've been in uh, juvenile systems and stuff when I was a younger kid, but, um, you know something this severe, and the only thing that I, when when I'm, anytime I'm facing some sort of trial or or, or heartbreak or, or some sort of suffering, the only thing that I can do is really you know, it's, Lord, I don't know what's going on. This totally yeah. sucks. But yeah. one thing I do know is that you have good in mind for this, and I'm just going to do what I can to get through this. As you know, as a human, you know, we have these emotions and. I'm going to trust that this is going to come out to be just right. Yep. So, I yep. mean, that's essentially what's what I see going on here. But um, uh, yep. the thing that's really because awesome is a... There's an earthquake, yeah. a huge supernatural event. Yeah, this is one that, you know, shakes the doors open. So, I yep. mean, the, you, it kind of... Uh, I wonder how secure these were. I mean, they had to be so secure. Secure enough because this is the inner prison. We want to make yep. sure these guys don't get out. But... It says a great earthquake, and I don't know the I don't know the Greek behind this. I'd have to pull out my book here to, to find it out. But I think great itself has some significance. This just wasn't some sort of aftershock or anything. This was enough to probably make some buildings fall down, especially in that era. They didn't. There wasn't things as sturdy as we have today. So, um, I mean, this is opening the doors. It's unfastening the bondages that they're in. Jail break. The the jailer is freaking out, seeing these doors open. And he's thinking to himself, "It's over. <laughs> it's over for me." All I mean, my prisoners it, are gone. Yeah, and because what's going on here is, you know, his prisoners. He's thinking they've escaped, but Paul, you know, he affirms, "It's like, no, we're all here." But before that even happens, he's already had it in his mind because in the Roman law or the Roman culture, it was a huge, huge crime for these prisoners to escape. And yeah. and the yeah. penalty itself was death. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and the, you know the the this Roman jailer, he, he didn't know how he's going to die. He just knew he's going to die. He could have some flogging. He could have a crucifixion. You know, um, be thrown out in the desert or something, and, and and I don't know, tied down. I don't know, however other tactics they had for this torture and this execution. Regardless, he knew he was going to die. And so he's pulling his sword out, and, and, you know, as he's about to kill himself, he's taking his own life. Saul, he does something similar, but um, Saul, you know, if, uh, not Saul as in Paul, but, you know, Saul the king, um, you know, the, the, the predecessor to David. But uh, he knows that there's, there's this heavy torture that's probably going to come into play here. So rather than going through that, let's make it quick. You know, let's just get it over with so I don't have to deal with that. Pulls out his sword, gets, you know, about ready to thrust it in himself. And Paul cries out, loud voice, verse 28 here, Do not harm yourself, we're all here. We haven't left. So, I mean, the jailer, his, the, the lights, you know, I'm just reading these verses here. Uh, you know, called for the lights you know, to rush in. 
you know, fear and trembling. He fell down before Paul and Silas, possibly, you know, in fear, in, 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 in tears, you know, for what he was about to do, um, as fears for the, this earthquake that, that unlocked everything. Um, and, you know, even a mercy plea. Uh, because he says here in verse 3, you know, after he falls down before Silas and Paul, he says, what must I do to be saved? There's no conversation. There's no gospel being given. Yeah. And Paul is making a point here. Yeah. The, the jailer asks, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say? He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's really, and he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be mm -hmm. saved. And I think that's important to to. to focus on when we say believe it's not just recognize the existence james 2 4 2 2 19 i believe is what it is i just wrote this down in my book i'm working on um that even demons believe even demons recognize the the god is sovereign they they recognize that he's the most high that he's in charge but yet they tremble at his voice and you know the idea to believe actually means to trust and every time I see, every time that word comes up, I really feel it's important because you know, as myself as a, as a um, you know before I became a believer or a sincere Christian, you know, I thought, okay, I recognize Jesus' existence. He died for me. I'm good to go. And we have this, and you know, it still happens today. So because we don't have a proper understanding of belief, you know, so essentially what he's saying here is trust in Jesus Christ. And, you know, it says your whole household will be saved, and that's not the condition. That's not, or the condition isn't saying that, you know, if you trust, if you as an individual trust, you and your whole household will be saved, but rather that you will be saved, and, you know, through you and, and your repentance and your baptism, they will see this as evidence, and they too will be saved as well. Um, and we see this in verse uh, 34, that uh, they were all... Um, well, I'm sorry, not the, not in verse 34, but he came to the, the verse 33. Yep. Says that um, they washed the wounds and uh, washed the wounds, and he was baptized. He and all of his family. family. So there was yep. some sort of testimony going on here, and it's most likely this jailer saying, "Hey, you know, here's what's going on. These guys, they did nothing. The earth shaked. The doors opened. The bondages fell off. They stopped me from killing myself. This guy that they that these guys are professing, he's real." So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot to, a lot there, uh, I, and you know, some of the stuff that we read, I really do wish I was there to experience it, um, or you know, at least you know, go back in time and watch it as a third party, you know, as a, as a movie played out in front of me, because I mean, it's just like you, you wonder exactly, okay, we have this account recorded in the scriptures, but what's going on between these two verses? That's the question that we that I that I have a lot of times. Um, and I don't know how much time you know we have left. Yeah, we got about five minutes left here. One one quick comment, and this is just you know on the process of reading and thinking with you. And I really wonder, you know, what it's also like for our listeners. But you know, when we read and when we pray together, I it, it's more like a movie that's also playing in my head. Mm -hmm. It's also something that I am working through even more slowly because we're in conversation and we're in prayer and you know we're bouncing off ideas and and you know where the spirit is leading us it's a very enjoyable and neat process and it's different than just reading it on my tablet or right. reading my bible or reading it as i'm preparing to listen you know to the to uh, uh the pastor on, on sunday 
it's different. And I yeah. wonder what it's like for our viewers, for you, for other people. But yeah, yeah and that's why I would personally recommend anybody, you know, finding somebody to uh, to read with, because that's a, that's actually something I pointed or I noticed too with uh, you know my reading with uh, a friend of mine is that uh, you know that same thing. I could read alone, and I'll just go through it, black and white text. But when we're reading together, we're actually taking we, we try to get about four to six verse four to six chapters out a night. Yeah, and that usually takes. I haven't really tracked the timing, but that usually takes about an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, it's because there's really so much in there, and I, I let them know. I was like, "Hey, you know, are you seeing it this this way?" And they're like, "Yeah." Uh, and, we, and you know, we're playing out this illustration in our mind, and I mean, it's bringing more of an understanding. Like this week, we're go, we're going through uh, uh, the book of First Kings right now, and one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm still amazed by is Solomon's fortune. I mean, he had so much gold, he was throwing silver away like it was dirt. Uh, yeah, and yeah. so much gold, let's just go ahead and make golden swords, or let's go ahead and make golden shields. You know, and, and I'm exaggerating here, but you know what? We have enough We have enough load in the back, because I actually did the math. There was at one point, he was given 50,000 pounds of gold. Wow. So wow. I think that, if I remember right, I think that was uh, uh, Queen Sheba. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. So I mean, it really makes you wonder. Is like this guy's, this guy's living at large. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has so much gold that he can, like, I mean, like I said, I mean, this gives you the value because silver itself is pretty valuable. But if he's throwing it away like it's dirt, like it's just a stone or something, how much more gold does this guy have? And and that's something I didn't notice until I had this, you know, personal reading with a, a friend of mine, and you know that it's. You know, being all brought together and it's being in a, in a different light. So, um, yeah. Um, the example. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Um, this last thing I want to point out here. Yes. Uh, we got a yes. few minutes left. Okay. Um, when he's, uh, you know, we have already discussed that the, the Jews really had no place. Um, you know, especially to prophesize, to to get, you know, to to throw their religion on top of the Roman religion. To you know, the, basically that they're saying, okay, Jesus is Lord rather than saying Caesar is Lord. So there's a huge problem right there. But um, what's interesting, he comes in as a Jew, but there's more than just a Jew there. He's also a Roman citizen. Um, and I think it's rather interesting. We'll kind of have to go over on time on this one here because I think it's really important to point out here. Um, you know, it says that, you know, you're, they're essentially free to, or uh, verse 35, uh, when it was day, the magistrates uh, sent the police saying, let these men go. So the jailer, you know, same one that um, they were with, reported these words to Paul. And Paul's saying, you know, the magistrates have sent, or have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. Paul, he's like, no, it ain't gonna happen. We're not gonna make this as easy. We got problems. Here's the problem I have with you, Mr. Magistrate. Paul said to them, they have you. Well, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna focus this on one individual. It says they, but we're gonna say you have beaten us in public or publicly, uncondemned, innocent men, um, who we are Roman citizens, and you have thrown us into prison. You know, do they um, do they now throw us out in secret? He says no. If they get, if they want to get us out, we're we're gonna talk. We got problems. You don't know, let them come to us. Let them be the ones to take us out. So, you know, the police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens, because the problem here is it was unjust for a Roman citizen to have an unjust trial. 
I mean, that what the penalty was, personally don't know. But, I mean, it was, it was pretty huge. It's, and it, I believe it, it resulted in, let's see here, because I believe I remember reading this here. Um, what was that? Verse, uh, okay, verse 37 something. Killed in prison, believers ruined household. To inflict, okay, here you go. This commentary here says, To inflict corporal punishment on a Roman citizen, which is what Paul was, was a serious crime, and made more. Uh, it made more more so sense that Paul and Silas did not receive a trial. Um, as a result, the magistrates faced the possibility of being removed from office and having Philippi's uh, privileges as a result uh, of Roman colony revoked. So essentially, Paul's wanting to you know he's probably wanting to uh, resolve this right. Um, I mean, I, there's got to be some sort of frustration within him. Uh, and right too. I mean, he, he, he did not receive a fail, fair trial. He was uh, uh, unjustly thrown into prison, and even more so under high security. And you know the risk that he. I mean, he has full rights to leave prison. He's being told he can leave, but he also has free rights to say they've locked us un unjustly. Yeah. We did not receive a trial. Um, we we are Roman citizens, and we did not go through the Roman. Uh, Process, if you wish to call it that. So, um, you know, he, he completely could have ratted the issue out, but he calls the magistrates to say, if you want to get us out, you come to us personally because we're Roman citizens. Yeah. So, and then, you know, we don't have a conversation here, but there's obviously some sort of uh, some sort of conversation that was going on through this to resolve the issue uh, because in verse 39, they came to apologize to them and they took him out to leave the city. And then from there, they went to uh, visit Lydia. Um, and then, you know, they departed from there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty hot mess. Um, and we have, well, I can't say we necessarily have that today, but we do have unjust processes that take place. And um, and I think it's important that we recognize that. It's, you know, we're, we're called to submit to the governing authorities. But like we have here with, uh, with Paul, he says, okay, I, I'm submitting to you. I'm in prison. I don't like it. It hurts. Uh, I'm, I'm all badly bruised up and everything, but the problem here we have is this this wasn't taken care of properly, and we need to do that just now. So, again, whatever was said to resolve the issues is unknown, um, but they did resolve it and uh, and go out. So I think in, in certain cases, if it's an unjust punishment, uh, an unjust uh, hearing of some sorts, whatever you may go with, it's important to recognize that, and it's important to speak up about that. And I think importantly, more specifically within the church, um, and I've talked about this before, you know, about about uh, you know my experience. But it's important to speak up about these unjust actions, um, and we we shouldn't come at it uh, as a means to throw down. But it is important to recognize that that hey, yeah. this is dangerous. Um, this was improper. It needs to be resolved. Uh, and I think that's something that uh, that was really going through Paul's mind. Says you guys, you guys had a mistake. Now you need to fix it. So. And I mean, you know, even though Paul and especially Silas were, uh, Silas especially, you know, were, were targeted as Jews and they were preaching and they were different from the Romans in that community, certainly Paul had rights. Right. And another thing that we also see that I think is really important and, and kind of uh, joins or, or follows on your message is that Paul cared for the jailer who was not part of his community, but right. that was also facing punishment right. so much that he ministered to him and spoke up for him. 
you know, and that is the love of a Christian, the love for those in our community, for those who are converted, for those who are being persecuted for the unjust uh, things in our community. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think uh, I think that's actually a good point to close up with. I can't remember what I was reading. I was reading somewhere. Um, I, I was working on compiling my notes um, into uh, well to this book because uh, this this passage that I'm actually going over this this chapter that I'm finishing up is basically the identification of Christian love, um, which I'm not going to go too much into that. I'll share you the rough draft, and everybody else, you're going to have to wait till it's finalized. But um, one thing I think is really interesting is we need to take focus as far as who, and it's not limited to. I need to, you know, that needs to be made known. But I think in, in certain passages, uh, and this goes with that whole um, inductive study itself. I mean, you have to read, you know, what's it saying, who's it saying it to, what does it mean, how does it apply to my life today? Um, and in, in most of these passages, like for an example, I think it's uh, John four is the one that I, that I read earlier about you know loving another brother. That's specifically talking about the body of Christ, the the, the Christians. Um, and again, we'll have to get into this another time, but I think it's really important to, to maybe you know get the listeners to think you know as we close this up, um, because when Jesus tells uh, his disciples you know to love one another the same way I've loved you. By this, they will know you're my disciples. Uh, he's speaking to his disciples. Love each other in the same way as I, Jesus Christ, have loved you, the disciples. Um, because we know there was, uh, there was a, he had some, like we've already ex explained, you know, the, the woes to the Pharisees. That can be perceived as being unloving from a certain point of view. So, and I'm not saying it's not loving that he did that. Uh, it was very loving to bring warning to them of this condemnation that was going to come if they continued in their ways. But uh, it's important to recognize that this we our, our love for the Christian community should exceed that of the ones who are outside of that. James four four tells us that it, you know um, depending on the translation, uh, you know says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. Or it says that you know those who are um, who love the world are at war with God, right. and so I mean that's important to recognize. Our love, and Jesus also says this, you know, that our love for God needs to exceed that of uh, needs by comparison, essentially needs to look like hatred to our own family. Um, so it's very important to recognize that it's not saying that we should not love the outsiders, but we need to love the body of Christ more because. That's our focus. We have something in common with them. These are our people. This is the body. This is the righteousness. This is the light. And these other people are the darkness. So there needs to be that... that uh, it's really a fine line. Not necessarily fine. I guess it's a little bit of a thicker line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess that's where I want to stress that, is we need to recognize our, we should have a, a more exceeding love for the body of Christ than we do for those who are outside. Uh, it's not to say we shouldn't love them, but... We'll get more into that later. I think I'm I'm kind of repeating myself there. Anyways, that is all I have, Mr. Bernard Ramsey. You have any last well, comments one, you want to throw out there? Just one last comment because I think that you know your your comment on loving and loving the the sheep and the flock is very important. Um, you know, also and it it goes back to something we said earlier: not being afraid to judge, mm -hmm. not judging hypocritically, right. but judging righteously right for the betterment for the protection of the flock and john 10 27 my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish 
and no one will snatch them. Amen. 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 All right, Mr. Bernard, if you want to stick around, we'll have a little bit of chat afterwards. Um, those of you who have listened to this, watched this video or listened to this uh, audio, um, I want to thank you guys for chiming in here, uh, checking this out. We do have a lot of fun doing this. Uh, and I actually look forward to this myself. I'm hoping we can get more out of this. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, hit us up at christiancornerstone.org. Hit us up on our Facebook page. And I don't know if we gave any details out on this just yet, so I'm not going to give them out right now. We do have a little spicy piece coming up, hopefully by the end of the month, um, that we'll give you in which another, I would probably say, a more improved, a better way to communicate with this uh, well, this ministry team. So uh, that's all I have. Uh, you guys have yourself a very wonderful night. God bless. Yep. God bless. Thanks, Bill. Bye.